0: Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Emerson.
1: And Bridget Spackman. And we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher.
0: We are back with more TSHs, or time-sucking hurdles. And can I just say, I'm proud of us for sticking with this. This was an idea we had, like calling them time-sucking hurdles before we even started the podcast, and it has stuck around. It really has. And I really enjoy it. <laughs> so back in episode 90, we shared a bunch of time-sucking hurdles that had been submitted over on our website, teachingonthedouble.com. And we responded by giving just like quick tips because we feel bad that we can't include all of them. We always include one in our episodes, but there's a bunch that get submitted. And we're like, oh, these are so good. So in today's episode, we are bringing that back. Part two, quick tips for teacher time-sucking hurdles First, we each need to share our current time-sucking hurdles.
1: Yes. Because we're going to be answering 10 time-sucking hurdles, we are going to share our own time-sucking hurdles just for your enjoyment. (laughs) Um, So for me, my time-sucking hurdle is going to be renovating bathroom. Mm -hmm. I... Girl, can I just say yesterday, okay, this is Sunday as we're recording this. And so on Saturday, we had spent, I'm not joking, from like nine o'clock all the way to like almost six o'clock out and about looking at tile, looking at vanities. It is such a hot mess trying to decide on what you want for a bathroom. It's so hard. It's exciting, but it's very time consuming. It is. I was exhausted by the time I got home yesterday. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be my time-sucking hurdle because we have definitely not, we haven't gone to two stores that we absolutely need to go to, which kind of sucks. I'm just going to rant really quick and then I'm going to be done. Go for it. They <laughs> open from nine to five and one of them is like, they're like either 20 to 40 minutes away. How am I supposed to get there within the next couple of weeks? And one of them isn't even open on the weekend. Yeah.
0: I always found oh, that frustrating when- So frustrating. Like I get it to not be open on the weekend but as like a teacher when you're working the same hours that you're open you're like but wait when am I
1: supposed to go exactly (laughs) oh I'm so frustrated but other than that I mean that that's that has been sucking up a lot of my time okay but at least that's like a productive
0: TSH like it's something you need to be doing um meanwhile over here (laughs) I cannot wait 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 to hear this bullet. Okay. Well, so here's like the overarching. I'm going to give like two main things that are really sucking up my time. Number one, uh, I have started rewatching Seventh Heaven, which I watched as like a kid growing up. And it's one of those shows I find comfort in rewatching things that I watched like growing up. I don't know how to explain it. It just is comforting to me. So I've started rewatching Seventh Heaven. But the issue is I originally started it as a like, oh, I can just have this on in the background and not pay attention. But then I get sucked into those episodes. You're going to laugh at this, Bridget. So I guess it was, I don't know, like two weeks ago, I was putting away laundry and I had just started Seventh Heaven. So I was like two, three episodes in. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch an episode while I put away laundry. Well, in this episode, the so it's this family, right? The mom's mom had been sick, like the two prior episodes, and she mm-hmm. died and I come out of the bedroom. So like I go in with my laundry basket, Billy's at the desk and I come out and I'm like sobbing and he's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm explaining it all. And he's like, Michelle, he's like, you, you're like three episodes in. Are you this emotionally attached? Yes. Yes, I am. So oh. that is sucking up a lot of my time. Cause I start getting invested in the episodes and I'm paying more attention to them instead of what I'm doing. Also snuggling Ember because Bless her heart. I, I love this dog. But she thinks she's a lap dog uh-huh. and she's a little too big to be a lap dog. She's
1: taking over your home. She really is. Miss I'm not gonna let her sit on the couch and now she's on the couch oh, yeah. all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, all over the couch, fur all over the couch. And she
0: loves to like jump up and then get in my lap, and I can't do anything on my laptop. She oh, even, the other day, I had my laptop on my lap and I saw her and she was like right of me and I said, don't you dare. And before I knew it, she jumped up and just like closed my laptop and sat on my lap and I was like, you've got to be kidding me.
1: So. Oh my gosh. She really thinks she's a laptop. Oh yeah. She loves the snuggles. And she's not little. No.
0: I mean, she only weighs like 40 pounds, but she's like, like she's a medium sized dog. She takes up my whole lap though. Yeah. Other than that, and I think this is the bullet Bridget was like, I really want to know. Going to the bathroom a million times. So now that it is summer here in Texas and it's super hot, it's like over 100 degrees um, every day. My new gym that I go to <laughs> does not have air conditioning. So when I go, I sweat my little booty off. Okay, like sweat dripping, dripping oh, no. from everywhere. Places I didn't even know I could sweat.
1: Is that hard when you're trying to... Yes hold you like lift weight like hold on to it because wouldn't your hands be slippery yes
0: so I, I typically have chalk which helps with that okay. um and so I have like a liquid chalk so you like squeeze it out of the bottle and it's liquid and you spread it around and then it dries as like chalk okay. on your hands but I am trying to drink a gallon of water today and I've or a gallon of water a day not just two day it's been every day and i've been really good at it actually i have a bottle that's a half gallon i drink two of them a day but that means going to the bathroom literally I, I this is not an exaggeration probably 20 times throughout the day
1: wow and the issue is
0: i go in and then i get on my phone and then billy's like are you done in there and i'm like yes like physically i'm done mentally i'm not ready for the rest of the day yet yes Yes. And then also going for walks. So I've mentioned in the last episode that I go for two walks a day, which is great. The issue is it's like I have to get ready for the walk and then I come back and I'm hot. So I just sit there because I'm trying to cool off. And then Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, I'm going to start this YouTube video while I cool off. But then it's 30 minutes long and I'm like, well, I have to finish it now. And like, yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, listen, I got to start deleting TikTok, like Instagram again, because I've like been falling into the hole again of reels. They're horrible and they're not beneficial in any way shape or form i literally feel like a zombie when i come out of i know i know they're terrible i they're killing my brain cells
0: yeah i there are some where i get little ideas but most of them nah,
1: no no no. so they're all entertainment
0: enough of our tsh's uh let's hear
1: other people's (laughs) Yes. So as Michelle mentioned at the very beginning, this episode is going to be jam packed with TSHs. So we're going to go ahead and jump right on into the first one. The first TSH is from Bethany. Bethany says, after teaching for 10 years, I'm getting ready to transition out of the classroom to homeschool my girls. Good for you, girl. Uh, Don't worry. I'll still be listening to every episode (laughs) from you all. Anyway, I know who is asking, who is taking my position next year, and she's currently a long-term sub on our team. I have digital resources, physical books, manipulatives, et cetera, to give her. What is the best way to pass all of that along to her without making her feel like she has to use or save all of it? It's organized for the most part, but I'm struggling with the transition. Thank you, ladies. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. And I love that she's considering that because As a teacher, it can be very overwhelming to like walk into a classroom with stuff everywhere. And the reality is everyone is different. Some people are like, yes, give me everything. I'll figure it out later on. Other people are like, nope, I want a clean slate. So it sounds like you're able to communicate with her directly. I could be wrong about that. But if you can just ask what she would prefer. Like literally at like, Hey, what do you want? What do you want me to give you? How do you want me to give it to you? That way you can ensure that you're really meeting her needs. But if not, I would say try to organize it into like sections or categories, put all of the digital materials into Google drive folders, and then have all of those within one main folder, right? So that folder section. That way you can share the main folder and then she can go in and like have those sections and kind of pick and choose what she wants to use. For all the physical materials, it's like put all of the books together, put all of the math manipulatives together, put all of the like, you know, resources if it's like dry erase boards, things like that. And just kind of have them grouped together. I know when I walked into my fourth grade classroom, there were basically a lot of manipulatives and bags and a lot of like textbooks, but they were all kind of grouped together. And I felt like it made it easier for me to go through it.
1: Yeah. And I will add, Can is there any way for you to like schedule a day or two for her to come by and for you to just talk about each item? Maybe you go through the sections or talk about like what this is, and then she can kind of decide what she wants to do with that. Yeah. Um, I know for me, when I was just kind of starting packing my classroom, I would go through and say, okay, here are the books that I'm definitely not going to take my partners, which ones do you want to take? And then I just kind of, as Michelle said, I have a closet that had all of the different books in there. Um, I had them semi organized for the most part so that the person who comes in can really kind of decide what to do with that. Um, and then just be sure to kind of section off some of these items so, uh, that just don't need to be thrown out. So these are going to be things that like some teachers just don't know are like school property. Yep. I know that's such an awkward time. Like you're like, oh, I could just throw this away. And then the principal's like, Hey, what happened to that resource that we had yeah, in here? <laughs> yeah. Whoops. My bad. Um, so section off kind of the things that you know for a fact cannot be thrown away because it belongs to the school itself. Um, and that's always beneficial. But honestly, if you didn't use it in the past year, then I would just throw it away. There's no reason to be passing along stuff that you just didn't find beneficial at all. Yeah. I think that's huge about knowing like what's school property and what's not,
0: because that is one of the hardest things when you come in, you don't know. And so you end up holding no. on to all this stuff and then it's not till later. That you find out, like, mm-hmm. what you could have kept versus what you can get rid of. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number two this is a TSH from Dina. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly D E N N. Okay. Dina says, You guys are amazing, and I love listening to your podcast. I recommend you to all of my teacher friends. Thank you both for all the hard work you put into what you do. I'm spending way too much time trying to send emails to each of my parents. I know how to schedule an email, but could you tell me how to send one email to all of my parents without creating an individual email for each one, if that makes sense?
1: So is there any way that you can like blind copy. Michelle, isn't it like the BCC? Yep. Isn't that a blind copy where you can just kind of enter in all the emails on the BCC line and then nobody really sees the other person's email address, Correct. which is really nice. So I would suggest doing that. Um, I have a way to be able to do it through like my LMS. So we use something called Skyward, where when I would send emails, it would automatically like blind everybody yeah. so that no one saw each other's email. So that's kind of the individual piece there, but it really just kind of depends on what you're trying to send. Like if you're customizing that email for each kid and you're needing to add in like specific information for that specific kiddo, I would then suggest to use some form of a template. So I like to save mine in my notes app on my laptop and I just pull up my email templates, copy it over, add in what I need to add, and then just send it on its merry way. Yeah. So
0: I'm glad Bridget brought up the option of possibly doing it through an LMS. If that's an option, that's probably your best option. Yeah. If not, if you're going to do a blind copy, try to keep things as non-personalized as possible. So here's what I mean by that. Instead of of starting it by saying, you know, hello, Mr. Smith, you can start it with like greetings families. That way it encompasses everyone and you don't have to go in and personalize Mm -hmm. that piece. So recently I had to send out event live event emails (laughs) to all the people who had bought tickets to our live event back in 2020. And I wanted to kind of personalize it with each person's name. So as Bridget mentioned, I had a template and I actually saved the template within Gmail. So all I had to do was click a button, it inserted it into the email, and all I had to do was go in, personalize the name at the top, And then I had to personalize the link because some people bought like one ticket versus two versus three. And I had different links to like share with them. But even with those personalizations, I was able to send 50 emails in just a few minutes. Like it really doesn't take that much time if you have that template. And if you try to keep as much of it non-personalized as possible. But yes, try your LMS. If not blind copy,
1: use a template and personalize just a few parts. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Okay. So TSH number three is from a top teacher. They did not want their name to be disclosed. So um, new team members. I am a kindergarten teacher in a team of three. My fellow team member and I welcomed a new teacher to our team this year. And although we collaborate well and we do our best to support our new teammate, It takes a lot of time to support her, time that I feel like I could be using to get some things done in my own classroom. I have found out that neither of my teammates will be returning to my grade level next year, so I'm looking at having two new team members next year. Any suggestions on how to maximize my time while still collaborating and supporting new teachers and team members are welcome.
0: Can I just say, this is tough because... Uh You want to remember what it was like as a first-year teacher, because I remember feeling so lost and wanting help and being scared to ask for it and really needing that guidance. And so part of you wants to be empathetic towards that and make their experience better. But you're also like, I put in my time and like I now have good systems. Like I want to be able to go home at the end of the day. I don't want to have to stay here. So it is tough. My biggest suggestion first, does your school or district have any sort of new teacher mentoring program? So for example, when I switched to fourth grade, my district had what were called right start advisors and they were people assigned to new teachers in the district whether you were a first-year teacher or not. If you were a first-year teacher, you typically worked with the right start advisor for like three years. And if it was just your first year in the district, like for me, I worked with the right start advisor for like one year. But when we had a new team member join our team my last year in fourth grade, I would actually communicate with that teacher's right start advisor to be like, hey, I've noticed she needs support in this. And so that helped. So I was communicating, but I didn't have to be the one doing the helping. Like the right start advisor took care of that. However, if you don't have that and it truly is all on you, my biggest suggestion is give as much as you can. So if you're making slides, lessons, activities, you know, worksheets, whatever it is, Share that with the other teachers who are new. Then focus on what they really need support with. So, for example, my mom, bless her heart, she calls me almost every day needing help on the computer. And I've realized there are some things that are worth taking time to teach her because it's something she's going to have to do multiple times. And it's something I think she's capable of doing. There are other things where I just do it for her because it's easier and it's like a one-time thing and it would just take too long to try to explain it. So finding that balance between like teaching them so they can do it on their own versus being able to just like give them stuff and be like, here it is,
1: you know, we can, we can focus on it later type of situation. Yeah. This is definitely a, a hard thing to kind of deal with. Um, I know for me, I think you should have like a planning day with your new teammates. So have kind of a um, either a special time, a planning period and plan it out and say, hey, these are the days that we're going to meet together and you need to stick to it. Do not try to say, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. Don't let them try to get out of it. You need to make sure that these days are like non-negotiable days. Um, The other thing that I would mention is like have some form of a checklist of either materials, stations, routines that are going to be needed to help get this teacher like set up in the very beginning, because I know the beginning of the year is super overwhelming. Honestly, this should be something that should be in their new teacher training. Insert eye roll here, because I feel like so many places schools do not have a really good system established to help get these teachers going yep. and one of the, one of the teachers that i used to work with she made a comment of like some teachers don't have questions because they don't know what mm-hmm. questions they should ask yep. This is where we should have a flipping checklist to say, like, what's going to be your behavior management routine? How are you going to send an email? How are you like, where's the first day email that you're going to send to parents? How are you going to be communicating weekly? Like having things that already get them thinking about some of those routines, processes, things that you just do every day that you don't think about anymore as like a veteran teacher, but they need to have in the very beginning. Yep. So I would say that if you can be proactive and have like these checklists done in advanced, it's kind of nice because you can use it to make sure that you're prepared. Like even as a veteran teacher, I know I typically will forget things as well, but it will also kind of help save you a little bit more time in walking them through everything at the very beginning of the year. So hopefully that's helped and um, in, in kind of getting that going. You mentioned being proactive, and that leads us
0: into the next TSH, which is perfect. So the fourth TSH is also from a top teacher. After 15 years of teaching third grade, I'm hearing rumblings that I might be moved to fourth grade. The move would be bittersweet for me as my team is amazing and third graders are a dream. But after all this time, I like the idea of starting fresh and trying something new. Even in the same school with the potential to have some or many of the same students and families, the idea of switching is daunting. My biggest question for you is what proactive tips do you have for making this potential transition as productive and positive as possible?
1: Yeah, this is a good one. And I feel like, Michelle, you and I have such a good experience with this because we've done it. Yep. Like we've, we've transitioned. Been there, done that. <laughs> I've been there, done that. I feel like the first thing that I would say is purge and clear things out. Mm-hmm. Take some time and really decide like whether or not you're going to need some of these materials. If it's a worksheet and you have a digital, throw it out. If it's just like a printed resource or a story, you have a digital, throw it out. There's no reason to keep like the physical copies of it unless it's something like a game that you've taken time to like print out on beautiful like colored paper and you've laminated and it's cut. And it's organized, don't throw those things out because I feel like those are beneficial, but just have them marked, labeled, um, in an appropriate location so that if you need to pull out some of those resources for third grade, which will happen, Mm -hmm. and it's a great review activity for your fourth graders, you have the accessibility to be able to do that. So purge and clear things out. The second thing that I would recommend is to try not to purchase things in advance. As much as you're going to want to do that, instead, um, like kind of refrain from doing it, but instead allow your classroom to just grow with you throughout the year. I think that's the biggest thing is that as teachers, we want everything to be done like the first day of school. And there's really no reason to do that because you don't really know what to expect. Allow yourself some room to grow. So that way you could just add things here and there. And to be honest, a lot of the things that you did in third grade that were routines, procedures, you're going to do them in fourth grade. I promise you, Things that I did in kindergarten, I did in my fourth grade classroom because it was just good management strategies. So don't get rid of those.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to start off by saying. Like The good news is, especially because you're only moving one grade level from third to fourth, a lot of what you do is not going to change. So that is a big positive going in keep as much the same as possible. So your classroom management, your routines, your organizational systems that you've established in your classroom, there's no reason for those to change. So that should take off a lot of the pressure. When it comes to the curriculum, the lessons, like that's where you're gonna have to learn, right? Get as much help from your teammates as possible. I did this when I transitioned from second to fourth grade, because honestly, <laughs> I, I like I knew nothing about fourth grade. I had never a student taught in fourth grade. And I was like, I'm just going to you know sit in on these team meetings and absorb as much as possible. Now, obviously still share ideas because you don't want to be a lump on a pickle. Like no one likes that person that just sits there during meetings and doesn't contribute when you're trying to plan collaboratively. But be willing to let them just kind of lead and guide you. What's ironic is my one team teacher that I I bonded really closely with when I moved to fourth grade, as I was leaving the school, she was transitioning from fourth to second. So she almost is like oh kind of the opposite gosh. of where I was. And That's we talked true. about this a lot because she's like, Michelle, like, I don't know, you know, I don't know second grade, what do I do? And I literally told her, I was like, as much as I know you want to be that, like she's very much like me, wants to be a perfectionist, wants to like, have all of our ducks in a row. I was like, it's okay this next year just to like let your teammates take the reins, learn from them. Like it's one year, then you can kind of, once your feet are wet, figure out how you want to do things. And then just look at it as a positive experience. Like teaching multiple grade levels is a wonderful thing because it makes you a better teacher, especially going from third to fourth you will already know where they're coming from and all the knowledge they should have coming into fourth grade. And and you'll have those strategies of how you taught. And it's just, it will be fantastic. And it's an opportunity to gain experience, become a better teacher. So it will be hopefully a very
1: positive experience for you. Yeah. What a great way to end that one. Um, So our next TSH is from Kayla. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So Kayla says, my TSH is spending too much time looking at TPT. There are so many awesome products out there, and I like to make sure that I'm spending my money on ones that work best with my teaching style, as well as ensuring students will enjoy them. Mm.
0: I remember discovering TPT when I was in college, and it was like, (laughs) wow, like, what is all of this? And at the beginning, I used to just get random things. One of the biggest tips I can give you is to stick to one seller per subject area. So find a seller that makes really good math resources and stick with them. Find one that makes really good science resources and stick with them. And obviously this depends on the subjects that you Mm -hmm. teach. But what's great about that is A, the materials that they create are all going to have kind of a consistent theme and they're going to match. And that's just going to make your organizational heart very happy. You also are going to know that their resources are reliable. On TPT, I'm just going to say it, there are some fantastic sellers that make wonderful resources. And then there are people that are just putting up random stuff and it's not good. Like that's just the reality. It's not good. So by sticking to like one seller per subject area, you're choosing someone that you know is going to create reliable resources. So for example, I did this with Digital Escape Rooms. I got them all from the same seller, which saved so much time because I knew exactly how the game worked and I knew how like the directions were laid out. And Mm -hmm. when I would assign it, like I didn't have to then learn how to do the game myself. Like I I knew that I was good to go and that just saved me a lot of time.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with Michelle in this one. I stick to the the sellers that I know and I trust. Yep. Um, The other thing that I would tell you is I would try to go in with a very specific purpose. Know what you're looking for um, in the lesson that you've kind of already planned. So if you've planned out your lesson, you have something specific that you need to kind of fill in certain pieces that that defines your purpose. Um, And it's basically like having a grocery list when you go to the grocery store, right? It it kind of helps keep you focused so that you're not constantly wanting to buy like all the Reese's peanut butter cups and all the, (laughs) you know, M&M's you're focused. So, I mean, that's kind of my only other additional piece of advice when it comes to TBT.
0: Yeah, I like that. You know, I love a good analogy. Yeah, (laughs) I know you do. All right. The sixth TSH is from Lori. The biggest time sucking hurdle for me is email. That's in all capital letters, by the way. It takes (laughs) so long to go through all of it. Since COVID, more and more companies send out information about their latest, greatest teaching tool. I'm always worried to just delete the emails because I'm afraid I'll miss out on something that will help my students or make me a better teacher. In addition to these emails, there are emails from parents, the district, colleagues, and students, which adds to the mess of email I have. Sometimes it takes me way too long to answer emails, simply the time it takes to write up the answer, because of the questions being asked that require research, students' grades, attendance, etc. I sometimes long for the days before we had it.
1: Smiley face. <laughs> I can totally understand that. So here is my advice, Lori. I would say batch plan all the way. Find specific time frames when you're really just going to dedicate some of that time to spend to email versus trying to check it throughout the day because I know that can tend to be overwhelming and then you're not really focusing on doing any of the other tasks because you're so busy constantly trying to keep up with the Joneses when it comes to your email inbox. Um, the other thing that I would say is unsubscribe or create folders to kind of hide the emails that you don't want to delete but also don't need to respond to. Um, folders are a best friend when it comes to emails. I will so often take that email and say, you know what, I don't wanna delete it, I'm gonna move it over to a reference or I'm gonna create a new folder so that I can always go back and look at it later or use that search tool to kind of find what was in that specific email. The other thing that I would say is to create templates in your notes app so that will allow you to just kind of copy and paste and then tailor the emails that you do have to write to people to the needs of that specific person. Yep. This again, saves so much time. So if you have an attendance question, write up an attendance email, copy and paste it, add the information. So that way you're not having to always rewrite it. Yep. Huge time saver. As Bridget mentioned, yep. Unsubscribe, best friend,
0: utilize it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It cracks me up because obviously Bridget and I both have like our own email
1: lists. Oh, she's raising her hand. Go ahead. Okay. I have to tell you this funny story. So about like a week ago, all of a sudden, I'm getting Match emails from Match.com. And my name is apparently Eva. And I didn't know this, but Trent walked over. And he was like, "Um, do you have something you need to tell me, Eva? And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, why did you sign back up for Match.com? Because funny story, I married my husband from Match.com. so. That's so how I met him. I'm like, I didn't sign back up to match. Like, why would I do that? I barely have time for you. Um, so <laughs> so now I'm getting all these match emails. I'm trying to unsubscribe. I've tried to put it to junk, and they just keep popping up. I wonder if
0: someone used your email to like. That's what we think. Yeah.
1: That's what we think. Yeah. Oh,
0: <laughs> so I, when I send out emails to my email list, which if you're on an email list, I guarantee you the emails you receive have an unsubscribe button. Most likely, it's at the very bottom of the email. Look for that button, y'all. The number of emails that I get from people who are like, "Take me off your list. Can you unsubscribe me?" And I'm literally like, "There's a button. Like you can you can do it yourself, people. Like it's Click not that hard." The button. <laughs> so I'm gonna give a little bit of tough love to you, Lori. You mentioned not wanting to delete emails because you're worried you're gonna miss out on like, you know, the new greatest tool, teaching tool. Here's the reality. If you are struggling to keep up with emails, I'm sorry, but you don't have time to be researching new tech tools, et cetera. That's just the reality. You have to get a grasp on the tasks at hand before you start trying to add more to your plate. And that's what you have to remind yourself. It's like, nope, I I need to focus on the road ahead instead of worrying about this road that's leading off into nowhere. (laughs) And as Bridget mentioned, having those templates is huge. I will add to that, have a very basic response initially and then you can always elaborate more if you are asked, okay? This happens all the time, and it's a lesson I'm currently trying to teach myself. I have people reach out for advice, which I love being able to help people and give advice. But I have people who are like telling me their life story and like asking for advice. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know you personally. So it's, it's very difficult to give advice. Mm-hmm. And I have learned. I will sit there and I will spend like 30 minutes typing out this glorious response with all these different suggestions and links and tips and here, try this. And I will literally, you know, when I get in response, thanks. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I spent 30 minutes typing out this email for you, like customize it with all this information and I get thanks. So The lesson is start with a basic response. And then if the person has further questions, like they'll respond, but a lot of times like a simple answer will do. So don't waste a ton of time researching, like give the most basic response. And then you can literally say like, let me know if you have any other questions that will eliminate a majority of the time that you're spending, like trying to research. um, And then my little motto, done is better than perfect. So again, this goes back. You don't have to have the perfect email response. Just send a response. And then if they need clarification, they can get it. Yeah.
1: Something else that kind of popped into my head is I: a lot of parents don't really know who to ask these questions to. So yes. they always send it to the teacher, mm-hmm. right? Like teacher is kind of the first person that they think of is there any way that you can like forward those? Like if it's an attendance question, do you have an attendance person and be like, here, can you answer this? Like you don't have to be the one that does all of that. You can send it to the person who needs to respond to. Yep, good tip. Yeah, okay. Our seventh TSH is from Christina. Christina says, my TSH is being a new mom. I gave birth to my son in September and am returning to work tomorrow. Oh, Lord. I can't believe how fast six months flew by. Even with an extended leave of absence, I still don't feel ready to tackle my new role as a working mom. I have been listening to your podcast since you started and I've worked have uh, worked hard to implement your tips and tricks, but I still struggle to get all of my work done during contract hours. And now that I have a little one at home, I won't be able to go in as early or stay as late like I normally would. I really wanted to commit to leaving my work at work so that I can be more present with my son and also catch up on household tasks. What are your tips for balancing all the things that you need to get done at home, dedicating time to your kids, and being a good teacher? Also, do you have blank templates of all the checklists that you use to help you stay organized and get ready for the day? Love listening to your podcast, Christina. Okay.
0: First of all, congratulations, Obviously, I am not a mama, so I'm going to let Bridget take control of this one because <laughs> I don't want to sound like a hypocrite giving advice when our life situations are very different. But what I will say is that transitions such as these are the perfect reminders of what is truly important to you. And it's amazing what we can accomplish when we have a really strong why. Why? So it sounds like, and, and I could be interpreting this wrong, but Christina, right now, it sounds like what is most important to you is spending time with your son and being able to be present as a mom and leaving work at work. So keep in mind, if that is your why, then you need to make sure you structure you know, your lists and your routines and your schedule around that. Because you mentioned like balancing it all. Keep in mind, balancing doesn't mean like equal time for everything. Mm -hmm. It means being able to shift based on what's important to you. So that may mean letting go of some things that you used to do at school. But I will address the checklist. So everyone is different when it comes to checklists. So when it comes to like my morning routine or my evening routine or my lesson planning routine, Like it's going to be so different for everyone. But what I will say is our digital teacher planner does have pre-made checklists for like beginning of the year, planning a party, doing a field trip, end of the year. So those are great for like not forgetting those little tasks. We also have a page of blank checklists. I think there's like six on the page and you're able to create your own checklist. So you can create the checklist as you go through that routine. So like the next time you sit down to lesson plan, Write down in order the tasks that you're doing. That way you know what all needs to go on that checklist. Um, but if you're interested in the digital teacher planners, teach you on the double.com slash store. Bridget, give us all of your wonderful motherly teacher advice because
1: okay. how you do it all, I do not know. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> um, But belated congratulations first to you. Being a new mama and just figuring how to balance work and life is just so challenging um, but it is doable i promise you it is i think you know we talk a lot about just transitioning and these like seasons of life and how in the beginning it's going to feel a little bit wobbly it's not going to be exactly mm-hmm. perfect um, and just be okay with that and know that it will get better as time goes on and you start to kind of develop a rhythm here's what i would recommend have a game plan game plan that's every day and develop like a strong routine. One, babies love routines. Mm-hmm. Um, husbands need routines and you need a routine. So it's good for everybody to have a specific, here's what we're going to focus on and here's how the day is going to go. Um, because that's just going to ensure that your household tasks are being done, that you know baby is ta- being taken care of when baby needs to be taken care of and that you're getting everything done for yourself. So really sitting down and kind of developing those checklists that you were talking about, have one for everything and kind of in the beginning, schedule yourself out and say from like six to seven, I'm going to get ready. And then here's what I'm going to do with baby. And then here's what I'm going to do when I get to work, know what you have to get done and have that time blocked out. It's going to, it's going to feel like you're in your classroom living by a schedule, but it is important to kind of have that schedule. So that's what I would say there. Here's my reminder to you is that you do not have to do it all. Um, One of the things that I kind of found for myself personally is that I very quickly learned that the things that I used to be able to do, I was not able to do once I had baby. It just wasn't feasible anymore. And I had to come to terms that that is okay. I couldn't have the lifestyle of, you know, a 20 something year old who didn't have children, who didn't have a husband, who didn't have all of the other things kind of added on to life. And it was because I'm in a different season of life. And so I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to live it the way that works best for me. Um, The other thing that I will tell you is that you have to utilize your time wisely at school. Um, This is beyond important. This means not chit-chatting with people, um, making sure you have that game plan ready to go and you know exactly what you need to go in and do for the day and know that sometimes good enough is good enough. Um, That's a big one. And for me, like I know, okay, well, the lesson didn't come out all the way, but you know what? Good enough is good enough. They still got it. It wasn't like super duper perfect, but it still was good enough. And I'm okay with that. And there are certain times where things are busier and my lessons are probably a little bit weaker and vice versa. You know what I mean? I'm not as busy and things, I can really create cool, fun lessons, but I do it all at work. Michelle, Trent and I were talking about this. It has now been two and a half years that I have been home every day before four o'clock.
0: Yeah. And it's I mean, a other than feeling. the meetings
1: as a team leader, right. team leader meetings don't count, but- right.
0: The things that are within your control.
1: Yeah. I, I don't bring work home. Yep. I never bring work home. Like I have a stack of papers ready for me to be graded when I go back to school. But I left it at school because in my head I was like, I will just chomp away at it little by little. Every single day, they're just like writing assessments that I have to get graded and uploaded yep. into our database. But it's like every day I'll do like as many as I can during the time frame that I have and it'll get done. And that's you, another thing too, right? Like everything gets done. Yes. You don't really know how, but it does get finished.
0: And what I was going to say, I have found in my experience, sometimes having more on your plate, and I'm, I'm saying sometimes, I, so long as you can handle it, like the workload mentally and all that, mm-hmm. you end up getting more done because it forces you to be become a good time manager, right? Like right. I think back to when I first started teaching and everything that I was balancing and I look back and I'm like, how the heck did I do all of that? Because now like if I have, you know, a a Skype call and I need to go grocery shopping in the same day, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all about what you adjust to and what becomes routine, right? Like you mentioned right. having a solid routine. You end up getting so much done without even thinking about it because it just is mindless and it's a habit. And sometimes having more on your plate can really force you to to really prioritize,
1: which is a good thing, you know? And I think, you know, going digital, having templates utilizing checklist and for that routine specifically has been a huge game changer. Yes. Like I am just, it is like, I know exactly what I'm going to do when I walk in first thing in the morning. I know exactly what mm-hmm. my room is going to look like when I leave in the afternoon. Like everything, it, it's a very much, I just come in and I do the same things over yep. and over and over again. And I have templates for everything. Yep. I don't try to like recreate the wheel. I make it one time and I'm done and I just copy paste it and then I'm finished. Yep. It just makes life a little bit easier. Yeah. And kids need that too, right? Like they thrive in a routine. Yep. They really do.
0: Okay. I'm going to challenge us. We have three more. We're going to try to go super speedy. Okay. Okay. Go. Number eight, TSH from Anna. My TSH is that I'm always searching for a greener pasture. I enjoy listening to teacher podcasts and joining education groups on Facebook and following great teachers on Instagram. I love hearing about new strategies, skills, and ideas, and I like to try them out. So even though this is my 16th year of teaching, and then in parentheses, different schools, different grade levels, riding the wave of different teaching philosophies, I still feel like I'm trying to find newest slash best ways of doing things in my classroom. Being innovative can be good, but it also means that I sometimes lack consistency and it takes a lot of time to figure out and set up the new systems.
1: Yeah. Um, I basically would tell you to choose a focus and stick to that. So instead of trying to be an innovative in all of the different areas, find one area for that year, grow in it. And then when you're happy, you can then kind of move on and improve in another area. Um, I would just kind of make that an ever going cycle. Right. And then just, you're going to come back to it at some point. And I'm sure there's going to be new fancy things that are going to be out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you try to do all of it, it's going to be overwhelming. It's going to feel choppy and it's not going to benefit your kids in the long run.
0: Yep. Oh, that was super snappy. Love it. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) I will say the grass isn't always greener. We just think it is. Um, in fact, one of the chapters of my book (laughs) is called the classroom isn't always cleaner on the other side. Uh, new is not always better. Think about things that are so basic that still work really well and don't need to be changed like the wheel. The wheel has not been revolutionized in, you know, thousands of years because it it does its job, right? Like it works well. So, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because often we try to fix it and then we realize that what's new isn't actually better, so then we just revert back to what worked anyway. I'm going to challenge you to kind of change your perspective. So instead of looking at all of the content and trying to apply it to your situation, find one issue in your practice, like something that's not working the way that you want it to and look for the solution. So instead of looking at all the solutions and trying to apply them to your problem, look at your problem and try to find a solution. So I do this with powerlifting because there's so much information out there. I look at my training and I'm like, okay, what do I need to improve on? And then I look for a solution in order to fix that. But at the end of the day, consistency always wins. And that doesn't mean like having to be perfect all the time, but it's what you're doing most of the time is going to make you the most
1: successful. Yeah, no, absolutely. So our next TSH is going to be from Grace my commute. Obviously, my Thursday morning commute is great because I listen to the latest Teaching to the Top (laughs) podcast. But other days, I just hate spending so much time in the car, unable to do anything. I've tried working on my power list, but the best I can do is a long talk to text list. What can I do to make my commute a more productive time?
0: (laughs) Okay. So first of all, thank you for listening to our podcast. I'm honored. You can obviously listen to other podcasts. So personally, I listen to, I have like powerlifting ones. I love Office Ladies. Stuff You Should Know is great. They talk about random things and you're like, I didn't even know I needed to know this, but now I do. You also could listen to audiobooks. I know Bridget's a big fan of audiobooks. I do love them. I, my brain doesn't stay focused. And all of a sudden I'm like thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner that night. I'm like, crap, I'm supposed to be listening to this book. (laughs) But if Beyond that, you can also just use it as an opportunity to think. I've been doing this on my walks. I've been going for walks without headphones. And I just use it as an opportunity to, like, let my brain go wild. And we don't get enough of that time. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? You also can just use it to chill. Like, just relax. You don't have to have that constant engagement, constant entertainment. Not every moment of every day needs to be, quote, unquote, productive. Like, allow your brain just to sit and chill and you know, roll down your windows, listen to the birds chirping or the cars. Like it's okay.
1: Yeah, I love that Michelle's podcast suggestions are all happy and light, and I'm like Dateline, Murder, Forty Eight <laughs> Hours, Murder, and I'm like that is my vibes all the way. <laughs> um, but I think Michelle hit the nail on the head. I just I love using the time for quiet. Um, And I completely agree with you, Michelle. We don't have enough time to just allow our brains to kind of be because we're always wanting to fill it with something. Mm -hmm. So I feel like for me, I don't get that enough. And so it's really nice to just be able to use that time to kind of recharge. So I don't put on music. I don't put a podcast on. And I just let that is my quiet time.
0: Yeah. It's good. Let it be. Okay, last one. This is a TSH from Taylor, and it's a lengthy one. Do you feel pressure when you read these, Bridget? You're like, I can't mess up as I read it. I mean, no, but now I do. (laughs)
1: Well,
0: yeah, that's how my brain works. All right, Taylor says, hi, guys. I have submitted a TSH before, but Lord knows I need all the advice I can get. I'm actually not a teacher. I'm a screen printer, but I find you guys so inspirational and helpful, and I'm able to apply so much you guys talk about to my job and general changing life. I have ADHD and often get overwhelmed very quickly by all of the things I need to get done and all of the things out of my control. So you guys have helped me so much with managing everything and finding ways to work efficiently like digital planning, saved me. My TSH today is about making time to do the small things. I have tasks I should be doing weekly, like emptying trash cans, gathering screens to clean, and machinery maintenance all of which take 10 to 20 minutes each to do. I often find myself pushing off these tasks because my mind always defaults to the highest priority and says, well, that's 10 to 20 minutes you could be spending on printing orders instead, the orders being the highest priority. How can I rework things to be sure I'm getting done the priorities efficiently, but also my weekly work chores? Sorry this is so long, I love you guys so much. You've truly changed my life and inspire me to be the best me I can.
1: How cool is it that we have somebody who's not a teacher listening to us? I know. I do love hearing that. But then I'm also like, why? Like, I. (laughs) How are we that interesting? Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so here's what I would suggest for you. Time blocking is the first thing that comes to my mind when you like you're talking about your situation. I would spend a time to just kind of track a week and what I do during the specific time. So like from, if you're waking up at six o'clock and you from six to 6.30 are just drinking coffee, then write that down on that, for that specific time. You could do it by 15 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, choose whatever is kind of best for you, but track what you're doing for an entire week. And this is gonna allow you to be able to see like where you have these blocks of times that then you can start kind of putting in some of these very small tasks. So um, when I say like small task, I don't necessarily want you to schedule it, but let's say you have an hour for that, you might put an hour and you might just write small tasks. And within that hour, you're trying to get as many of these small tasks done as quickly as possible. So hopefully that helps, but I would also add in here to put in a routine, right? If you have to do the trash, well, when is the day that you're going to do the trash? Have like a specific time and routine to do that.
0: Yeah. So springboarding off of what Bridget said, first of all, I think having a time frame, like she mentioned, an hour to do small tasks, it's going to force you to be as efficient with your time as possible. Because you mentioned that a lot of these take 10 to 20 minutes. Well, what if you could do them a little bit faster? And you could do them in five to 10 minutes instead of 10 to 20. Last night I had to set up my podcast recording equipment and Billy was like, okay, how long is this gonna take? And I said, you know what? I can get it done in less than three minutes. So I did did it in two. I told my Alexa to set a timer for three minutes and I ran into the room and I like got it done. And then I ran back into the bedroom and we checked and there was a minute left. So if you put a time constraint on it, it can force you to be more productive. And as Bridget mentioned, make these tasks part of your routine so you don't even think about it. Something I was struggling with was keeping up on emails. Like a day or two would go by and I'm like, crap, I never like responded to emails. So I have made it part of my routine. In the morning, I make my coffee, Billy and I do our Wordle, Yes, we're still doing that our Wordle. so cute. You are so old. <laughs> I love it. And then I get my laptop and I start answering emails. He typically goes upstairs to start working. And that's like my cue to get my laptop and start answering. You also can utilize habit stacking. So pair it with something you are already doing and don't have to think about. So if you're struggling to remember to empty the trash cans, is there something else that you do maybe at the end of like your work shift? And you're like, oh, whenever I finish that, I have to go empty the Mm -hmm. trash cans. And then like Bridget said, use time blocking. I find it helpful to have like time for your routines within your day and then time for your power list because your power list is going to change from day to day, but your routine is going to stay the same. So you need both on your schedule, but it's going to
1: help ensure that you can get all of the things done. Nice. Okay, guys, if you did not know, we are having a live event in the flesh, in the flesh, in person. (laughs) It's going to be so exciting. We want you to join. We have lots of general admission tickets available. So you can head over to com forward slash live event. Am I right, Michelle? Yes. Okay. I was going off of memory here. Um, and the event is going to be on July 25th and it's located in York, Pennsylvania. It's going to be at the Terrace at Heritage Hills Resort. And this is going to be a one day workshop focused on building skills and strategies in time management, organization, and productivity. We're going to have you so ready to tackle the beginning of the school year and feel stressed and develop that work-life balance that you want. While you're on our website getting a general admission ticket, we also would love for you to check out our T S H and submit what your time sucking hurdle is. I really love doing these episodes. I do too. It They're feels so much good. fun. <laughs> They're so much fun, and I love hearing like what is really what you guys are all really struggling with because I think it kind of helps get motivate us to making sure that we're throwing out the best content possible. Um, so you can submit your time sucking hurdle there. You can also subscribe to the podcast so that you can get notified when we drop our next episode on Thursday mornings, and leave us a review over on iTunes. We love hearing from you um, and hearing your thoughts on that, and it helps us get into the ears of so many other teachers. So until next time, be time timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.